Anyway, Revelation chapter 13, let's go ahead and pray once more. God, we thank you so much that you are a great I am, God. And we thank you that uh, we can come to you, that we can run to the Father, Lord. And I just think about how we can fall into grace as we sang, Lord. How, how you are our surgeon, how you come into our hearts and you fix us and, 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 and you create in us, Lord, a, a new creation, a new soul, Lord, a new person. And so as we get into your word today, may you continue to do that. May your spirit speak. I pray for your, the anointing, God, of your word right now. We pray, as you said, Jesus, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. So we give you this time, and we ask you bless it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, a little over 11 years ago, this British scientist, Dr. Mark Gason, uh, performed an experiment to see if he could spread a computer virus through a RFID chip that was implanted into his hand to other computer systems. Well, Dr. Gasson, he's a, a, a Gasson, maybe you say, he's a cybernetics professor at the University of Reading in the UK. And so he intentionally put this ID chip into his hand, and with this chip, the device enabled him to pass through security doors and activate his mobile phone, and maybe you've read of some people even doing that at certain workplaces, but he did that. But his real purpose was to confirm that when a computer virus implanted in that chip in his hand can be passed through the lab sensors and then infect the building's computer database. Well, the potential is really that virus can go on to copy itself onto other access cards of people who use that facility. And so what happened? Well, with this experiment, it was a success. That's what happened. So today, Dr. Gasson is known as the first human to be infected with a computer virus. I <laughs> like that. I don't like being known about that, right? Well, you know, I was thinking about that. Like this computer virus, during the tribulation years, Satan will infect human beings with false thinking, false doctrine to lead the world astray from the truths of God and Jesus Christ. And it's all propagated, really, by his evil emissary, by the evil ministry of the false prophet. And that's what we've been talking about. Today, our title, The Evil Ministry of the False Prophet, Part 2. We're moving on from last week. And uh, it's been fascinating to me, even these past chapters, yeah, from chapter 12, coming into 13, talking about the Antichrist, talk about Satan, Antichrist, and 13. And now it's come into this last part of chapter 13. We continuing on, we continue on to find out more about this evil ministry of the false prophet. Now, last time, in part one in our outline, we saw the man, which is verse 11. We saw how the false prophet will be, be that evil agent for Satan, speaking on his behalf, right? He's, he, he's, he's that guy that comes alongside the Antichrist. So we saw the man, and then in verse 12, we saw number two, the mission. 
the mission. We saw how as he is the leader of this one world religion, he will bring the whole world into Antichrist worship. That that's his mission. That's that's what he's rolling toward. He, he, he's that one world leader of religion, and then he leads everyone into worshiping Satan, basically. And then we saw the miracles in verses 13 through the first part of verse 14. We saw the false prophet will use deceptive miracles to capture the hearts of people so that they would give honor to the power behind Antichrist, the power behind a false prophet, the power of these miracles is Satan. So the world will actually be drawn into that worship of Satan and giving him honor. So last time, from verse 11, in this last part of chapter 13, we saw the man, we saw the mission, and we saw the miracles. Now, as we continue continue on today in part two of this evil ministry of the false prophet, we go on to three other things. And number four in our outline is the method. Number five is the mandate. And number six is the mark. So that's our outline for today. So our complete outline is the man, the mission, the miracles. And then we have the method, the mandate, and the mark. So let's begin here. Number four in our outline, continuing on from last week, is the method. The method. Now, here we're going to only be looking at the second part of verse 14. Last time we ended with the first part, but now we pick it up with the second part of verse 14. So, Revelation chapter 13, verse 14, the second part. It says here, take a look. Telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. We'll stop right there. Now, as we get into our passage once again, we begin with what God showed John the Apostle, who wrote this, what he showed John next about this false prophet. So when we say telling them, who's telling them? Well, it's a false prophet, right? And the false prophet is telling who? Them. Well, right before that, uh, John talks about how this False prophet deceives those who dwell on the earth. So everybody in the world. So the false prophet basically commissions the making of this image for the beast. Now, just a reveal, do you remember who is the beast? The Antichrist, right? We saw that in verse 1 of chapter 13. A few weeks back, we went and studied that. So that's the Antichrist. So this image that is commissioned to be made, it's some sort of replica of the Antichrist. It could be maybe some statue. It could be some figurine. It could be maybe even a robot, which we'll talk about later. Well, whatever this is, it is erected to honor the Antichrist. That's the idea. It's, it's, it's erected. It's put up there to, uh, I was thinking about this, like how we glorify God, you know, to glorify Him, or we know what's happening at this time to, I would, I use this word, or may, maybe I made it up, but godify, you know, the Antichrist. Kind of lift Him up and acknowledge Him as God. Remember, this commission, remember, this, all this is happening, it comes after the Antichrist has stood in the rebuilt Jewish temple and declares himself as God. And we've been talking about that. 
Most likely, this image is set up on the grounds of the temple mount there, where the rebuilt temple is going to be. Uh, maybe even inside the temple itself. It, it could be that. I believe it was Antiochus who did that uh, years ago in history. So it, it could be that. But no matter, I believe with today's technology, all the world will be able to see this image. That's what I really feel like. And we'll talk about that in a moment too. Now, there's another note that God gives us here in verse 14. So they make the image of the beast in honor of him. And it says that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Now, this is like verse 12. If you remember at the end of verse 12, whose mortal wound was healed, right? It's like God brings out this note to key us in on the reason for even this image that is set up. And so we understood, we've been learning that when we uh, did our study earlier in this chapter and as we've been going through that, the Antichrist is basically, it seems like there was an assassination attempt, right? And he was mortally wounded where he either died, but yet he lived. And here that's what we're reading, the same thing. He was wounded, yet he lived. Perhaps it was a sword, perhaps a sword pierced him and it looked like he died uh, um, or was going to die. I kind of feel like he faked his death and he faked his resurrection because now he's alive. And as we saw in verse 12, that's what the false prophet used to get the world to even more support him and honor him as the God of this whole world. So, to me, as we see this note here in verse 14, it brings us to the mind that the false prophet now points yeah, to that lying wonder, that miracle, how it manipulated the world into making this image. That, that's why the world's like, yeah, yeah, let's make an image. Yeah, let, let's erect this image of the Antichrist as a tribute to this Antichrist, this man who had died and is alive again. Listen, by the midpoint in the tribulation, remember this now, the whole world will be deceived, will be manipulated into worshiping Satan through the worship of the Antichrist. So I, want to, I, want to remind, I want to remind you of that in, in what we discovered last week. So think about it this way. This image is being set up, uh, this statue thing, yeah, um, Antichrist showed his power and all of that. Think about at this point in the history of all time, the dream for Satan has finally come true to be worshipped above God. Remember in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13, it said, we read, I will set my throne on high. Remember, that's Satan, right? Or in verse 14 after that, in Isaiah 14, he says, I will make myself like the Most High, right? That, that was Satan's goal. That was his dream to be worshipped as God. And then look up at verse 4 in Revelation 13. We find that happening in verse 4, Revelation 13. It says, and they worship the dragon. And who's the dragon? That was Satan. We found that out in Revelation 12, 9, right? And then it says, for he had given authority and that power to the beast, the Antichrist. And they worship who? The beast, the Antichrist. And so the world is in this full on worship of the Antichrist, but really Satan through the Antichrist. So, hey, 
This is a dream for Satan that has now come true. So now that the dream is a reality, he brings in now with this image, the method of worship. Thus our heading, the method of worship. So here's our point here. The false prophet sets up a formal system for antichrist worship and satisfies the desire of the world. That's what's going on here. He sets up this formal system, like a ritual of worship, right? Well, Satan wants that worship, so let's set up a religion for it. Let's set up a ritual for it. So the image is erected, and it's tied with the fake resurrection of the Antichrist and all that. Everyone's all excited. Everyone's all, wow, look at that. And so it's the perfect time to set up this image. So this false prophet sets up a formal system. This is the method of worship of Satan, of Antichrist worship. And you know what? It satisfies the desire of the whole world. And I put that there because what the world has been searching for throughout the ages, you know what? The Antichrist is the one where the political and the spiritual come together in this ultimate man. Remember, we've been talking about that, right? We've been talking about this evolving idea of man. And listen to what Henry Morris wrote in his commentary. He wrote, This idolatrous system of evolutionary humanism will come to its climax and its ultimate culmination in the worldwide worship of the beast as the greatest of all men. Then he went out to say, the man who conquered death and conquered the great witnesses of God and conquered the world, he is the man in perfection. So that really helps me to understand what is happening here with this image being set up and why it's brought in, how it fits into even the thinking, right, of the world right now. So Satan sets up through the false prophet this formal system of worship, this ritual to idolize this man. It's exactly what the world has been wanting to do. You know why? Because built into every human being is the need to worship. Built into everyone. So Satan, he takes advantage of that and brings the whole world into this place. Remember there's that song by Chris Tomlin that says, You and I were made to worship. Right? And I think about, yeah, you know, our purpose here. Uh, in Isaiah 43, 7, God told Israel that they were, quote, created for my glory. They're created to glorify God, that we are created, right? To glorify our Creator, to have a relationship with Him, to worship Him, to exalt Him. But we find what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 23, when human beings chose not to honor the Creator. What did Paul write? Paul said, we exchanged, the world exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man as birds and animals and creeping things, right? So if you're following me, we see that, right? Throughout our history, how man with his, with that innate need to worship, when they rejected the Creator, what did they do? Well, they turned to trees, they turned to animals, to whales, right? To the sun or the moon, right? To Mother Nature, right? Etc. On all kinds of things man turned to and set up idols to bow down and worship that. 
not Creator. Why? Because they, they rejected God who they are made to worship. So they, there was a need to worship something. Well, as man progressed into the modern age, he found new idols, right? In his worldly wisdom and philosophies, in his high view of his intellect, and that all led to replacing God the Creator with evolution. Making human beings the center of the universe, right? And what is that basically? Setting man up as his own idol. So I hope you can follow me here, the thought here. So as we come down to this time in the tribulation, Satan takes advantage of all that of that need that God has made in us to worship the Creator, He comes in, right? And He sets up this image of the Antichrist so that need for worship is satisfied in this idol and it's given to Satan. It's given to the Antichrist. So it's this dream come true here in all of this. He takes advantage, sets up that image. So in the future... We see the, think about this, in the future with the abomination, right, of desolation when Antichrist stands in the Jewish temple. Talked about in Daniel 9 and Jesus talked about in Matthew 24. In the future when the Antichrist stands in the holy place where God should be worshipped, it's Satan replacing God and having the world worship him. I was thinking, that's the future. But how about today? We, sh- we need to search our own heart. Is there something standing in the place where Jesus should be? Have you left your first love? Is there other idols in your life? In our sin, in our sinful flesh, we are all prone to set up idols. Because we've been built with that need to worship. But the only place where we find satisfaction is when we worship our Creator, when we worship Jesus Christ. Well, that's the method, as you can see, a formal system of worshiping Satan. That's the method of worship. Well, let's go on to number five now in our outline, the mandate, the mandate. Now, here is verse 15, verse 15. Verse 15, take a look. It says, And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. So, this image, now this image, the false prophet was, it is. it was allowed to be set up. Now, allowed there again, we've seen that word before, we see it as the sovereign hand of God, that God would allow Right, this to be done. He's allowing the world to be powerfully deceived by Satan, by the Antichrist, by the false prophet. You know, basically he's just giving the world what they want. And so he's allowing this. So it was allowed, yeah. Now it was allowed for the false prophet to give the image breath. Now this is interesting. The word breath here in the original language is is uh, pneuma, panuma, probably pneuma. And um, it means spirit. It means wind. So what's interesting here is John did not use the Greek word bio, where you get biology, or zoe, which means life in the Greek. But he used this particular word spirit or wind. Because you know what? Only God can create life. 
So here's a false prophet giving some sort of so, uh, a way for this image to look like it's alive, that it came alive. Numa here, I believe it speaks of how the false prophet powered the image. So the image would seem like there's really life in this image. And for me, I believe that it is a spirit, but it's a demonic spirit that gives life, gives Numa, yeah, to this image. So, this image then of the Antichrist, it speaks, right, here in verse 15, it tells us uh, that it might even speak. It, it seems to come alive. It, it seems to be like, well, have a, 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 like being a living being itself. Imagine, this image is propped up and, and all we know is, yeah, you know, in, in our history and so oh, we put up an image, we put up an idol, that's it, you know, stands there. But imagine how the world is amazed when this false prophet comes and who knows, there's a weird prayer or something, then all of a sudden this image starts to speak. First the Antichrist comes back to life, then the image comes to life. It's all part of this deception going on. So I believe this, and this is our first point in this section. The image of the Antichrist seems to miraculously come to life when a demon speaks the message of Satan. That's what I believe is what's going on here. I believe it's a, a demonic spirit that makes it come alive, that makes it appear to the world that, wow, this, this stature, this figurine, this thing is, is actually speaking. It, it looks like it's alive. You know, I was thinking about how in the past, right, uh, we've seen technology of projected holograms, right? And, and they're projected to faceless statues, and the, 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 that image seems look like it speaks, but it's just a projection, right? Or remember animatronics, right, at Disneyland? It, it moved, yeah, the figure of Abraham Lincoln, and he was speaking as a recorded voice was coming out of him and his mouth like moving up and down, right? I mean, that's the past. But today, what do we have in our technology today? Robots, right? Robots that are beginning to move around. Program ro robots that are doing things. There's like dog robots you can buy. I've seen like waitress, you know, waiter robots that can serve in a restaurant. There's factory robots making cars and all that. But the amazing thing is that there's humanoids, right? Robots that look like a human being. For example, have you seen um, this Japanese robot called Erica? Erica? Uh, she's able to hold a conversation with humans. She, she has facial recognition like cameras in her eyes. She can recognize people. She can recognize you. There's infrared sensors so she can track people who are moving about across the room. And she, or it, whatever this robot is, you know what? She actually has a job as a TV announcer at a Japanese TV station. And I just read she's supposed to star in some sci-fi movie <laughs> that they're making. Crazy, right? A few years back, there was another robot named Sophia. This humanoid stood in front of the United Nations. 
and she was interviewed by the deputy secretary general and and she talked the the, the she was interviewed she was asked questions and she she responded back you know I was thinking where's the guy pulling the strings you know moving them out but no she was all programmed in there it was it, it's AI yeah coming to pass artificial intelligence she even made jokes. It was it was like whoa! This is this is like movie stuff, right? This is this is stuff coming to pass for real. This robot in front of the UN made this announcement to the world: "I am here to help humanity create the future." And there's a lot of news articles that have come out through the years where that's the next biggest thing: AI. And that's the next biggest fear of what AI, what computers, these robots will do to humanity. It's all the Terminator, all that kind of <laughs> kind of idea, right? I say this because it could be, you guys, that the image of the Antichrist is this robot. Maybe lifelike, maybe bigger, maybe a giant robot or something. I don't know, right? So it could be. But what I feel like is maybe what's this pneuma, this spirit, this demonic spirit, that it's going to take that AI to, to out of this world, like beyond modern technology, because the whole world's going to be amazed at this. They're going to, whoa, he gave this robot consciousness. He gave this robot maybe a soul, you know. I don't know. I don't know exactly, but that that's what I lean toward as I see the word breath here, meaning pneuma. And you, of course, you guys can study this on your own. But that's how I, I'm kind of looking at things and leaning toward it in that way. Well, the false prophet gives breath. This, this thing comes alive, this image of the Antichrist. And then it speaks. Now, what does it say? Well, at the end of verse 15, it says, It might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. So this is really the message of Satan yeah, that's coming out of this image. He speaks this message. If you will not worship the image, you will be slain. You will be killed. You know what I see? As Satan does today, he will use the technology for his purpose and cause everyone in the world to unite together to give honor to the Antichrist and to Satan. So the message from the speaking image will be, as you see here, the mandate. That's our heading, the mandate here. This is the mandate to worship the Antichrist. Everyone needs to be involved in this Antichrist worship and, of course, Satan behind that. You know what I think of? I think of it will be like, you remember when King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 3, right? He made this huge, super tall statue of himself. I mean, just huge, right? Set it on this platform. And he made a mandate, right? That everyone in his empire, in his kingdom, are to bow down to this statue, give it uh, honor, right? When the music played. I was thinking about that. Oh, maybe it could be, right? This is speculation, but it could be when you hear the Antichrist national anthem or whatever that is, the world anthem, then everyone is required to fall down and give homage to the, the Antichrist. 
Remember, the image is set up as a method, as a formal system of worship. So the world wants to worship and wants an eye, wants something to, you know, not just, oh, we worship saints, but actually do something, have a ritual. Well, maybe it's like that. And what we see in Daniel chapter 3, maybe it comes at a certain time of the week. Yeah, uh, uh, Maybe it comes at a certain time of the day. You know, I, I, I don't know. Perhaps to have the whole world to bow down and worship to this image. And, and the, 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 the image speaks, right? Worship the Antichrist. Worship the Antichrist. You know, you need to worship or else, you know, kind of thing. It could be perhaps that this image will suddenly at that appointed time appear on TV screens. Yeah, automatically. Perhaps at home your TV will turn on and do, you know, here's the time. Maybe you're shopping at Costco and all the TVs do, 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 you know, come on. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe your computer will turn on. Maybe your phone, yeah, will come on, you know, like we get the emergency alerts. Yeah. Maybe, oh, I'll send, oh, it's time. Yeah. We'll be all connected in that way. Maybe the screen in your car or monitors at work, those big screens in the city yeah, that do advertising, maybe all of a sudden it'll all come on. But technology will connect the whole world yeah, into worship of the Antichrist. And this will be the mandate when it comes, when the time comes, then everyone will have to bow to the Antichrist. Perhaps an image will speak. Perhaps the image will be calling everyone to bow. Perhaps the, the lifeness of this image will actually call you out if you're not bowing down. Hey, you, you know, hey, Stephanie, what you doing? Yeah, <laughs> Stephanie's like, no way. Oh, well, no, you won't be here. But anyway, <laughs> right? Maybe whoever doesn't or forgets will get called out. I don't know. But somehow this life, this, this, this spirit, will be in this image and will call on the people this mandate to worship the image. Now, whatever it is, I believe this will be the time in what we read about in Revelation 6 and Revelation 7 when we saw the martyrs in heaven. I believe this will be the time when the tribulation saints, those who came to faith in Jesus after the rapture in the tribulation years, this is a time where they will be martyred. Because they're not going to bow. They're not going to give in to this mandate and worship the Antichrist and Satan. So with that in mind, understand that this will be the time when the false prophet is getting rid of belief in Jesus. That, that's what this is all, all is for. And this is our second point. With the whole world, right? The whole world is in agreement already. They're all excited about Satan. As you read in verse 4, they're worshiping Satan and the Antichrist. Well, with the whole world in agreement, here's the a, here's a second thing I want you to see. The false prophet will turn Antichrist worship into a mandate to outlaw Christianity once and for all. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a mandate so he can get rid of the Christians. So he can be done with Jesus here. So it's, it, this is, it's all about Satan now. That's what will be going on here. You know, I read about uh, recently uh, this Afghan Christian who fled the country to India. Now, the article really was coming up because days before, 
um, um, well, days before the fall of Kabul, the Taliban, she, she ran, she escaped to India, but now she's facing deportation as her visa is about to just expire. So the big concern is, oh, no, you can't go back, right? Well, the story is Essen is her name. She's 24 years old. She was the only one in her family of believers to be able to get out. And she was sharing how one day she, she was caught reading her Bible, caught just having her her Bible open and and then her life was threatened and her family's life was threatened so they threatened to kill her and the family so the family thought you know we we got to move we got to get out of here but then the whole thing happened in Afghanistan and they were planning to leave but when the Taliban came they could only get her out she was the only one to get out I was thinking how extreme that is right that if you're caught reading a Bible, remember I told you reports if there's a Bible app on your phone, you know, the Taliban is killing believers or people. Even if they're checking their phones, if there's a Bible app on there. That this book, yeah, is like, you got that? It's so hated? What? A, well, how crazy is that? I was also reading that the Taliban feels so strongly that about their religion, that if any Muslim who converts to Christianity, and these are the words, refuses to repent, will be killed immediately without mercy. And I was thinking, you know, when I think about the word repent, that's different to me, you know, it's repenting of my sins and turning to Jesus. But repenting of Jesus, believing in Jesus, it's all flipped around. We got to keep praying for the Christians in Afghanistan. They're facing a lot, a lot. The thing about this, this is this is today. This is right now. But in the future, Satan will unite the whole world. Not it's not just one country this is happening. But Satan, in the end, in the future, in the tribulation, he's going to unite the whole world into hating anyone with the Bible, anyone naming the name of Jesus, hating Christianity. And he's going to unite everyone with this mandate. Listen, there's a shift going on right now. There's a shift in all this going on right now. I mean, look at our society just in general. No longer is the Bible respected, right? No longer. There used to be a time that this was all the Holy Bible that we respected. No longer is Christianity respected. You know what, all the, all the theologians, pastors, and, and you and I, we talk about it. We are living in what we call a post-Christian era. No longer are biblical principles and values, no longer is that the basis of our society. Right? Uh, morals of what is right and wrong, you know what, that's based on what everyone agrees on, right? And what society agrees on. The laws of the land are being reinterpreted to reflect what, what is popular in society, what the popular thought and belief is, and what society decides on. Not on the Bible anymore. Today, it's there's a term out there, mob justice, right? What everyone feels like is wrong, or you know, what needs to be, uh, you know, is unjust and needs to be brought to justice. It's the mob who decides that. It's really becoming the law of the land in that way. So understand with what's going on today, 
And, and it's horrible, it's hard, and, and all of that. But understand the times. It's only because we're heading into the end times, the tribulation years. What was once Christian is now post-Christian. And then in the tribulation at this time, it, the next step is anti-Christian. Let's make sure today that we are not caught up in that end time deception that's coming that that what started now that we're not being pulled into that that we keep the bible the bible in our lives that this is the word of god and it's important to us and we treasure it and we follow it and we listen to it where are you today though the world is drifting the world is shifting over in this direction Maybe you're back to your B.C. days. You know, sometimes we talk about that, right? B.C., A.D., right? B.C. is before Christ. Maybe you gave your life to Christ and now you're back in the B.C. days, before Christ days. You've backslidden. Maybe you're in the A.D. days. You're holding on to Jesus after the death of Christ and you're living that resurrected life. Or are you in the P.C. area, the post Christian area and you've walked away from God completely understand that's what the world's going to be even worse they're going to be against God come back to Jesus today come back to him don't be like how it will be in the future during the evil ministry of the false prophet alright well let's go on here we see the the method The mandate, number five. And number six, the last heading here, continuing on from last week, is the mark. The mark. And here we cover the rest of our chapter, verse 16 through uh, 18. But first take a look at 16 and 17. It says here, Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So we'll stop right there for for now. All right. Now we come to one of the most known passages in the book of Revelation. But let me tell you, it's also one of the least understood passages in Revelation. It's not super clear on exactly what everything here is. But what is understandable, and this is what I want to unfold to you guys, is the purpose of the mark. And that's what's important to really grasp here. The purpose of the mark. We don't know exactly what that mark is going to be. But the purpose is what we got to grab onto. Okay, so God showing John here and showing us here that also it, the false prophet, it causes now, it requires uh, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. Basically, the false prophet will require everyone, no matter what age you are, small or great, no matter what economic level you're at or social status, to be marked. So every person in the world was required, is going to be required to take the mark. That's, that's the basic idea. And this mark is to be placed in verse 16 to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. 
you kind of wonder, well, why there? I, I'm not sure, but most likely it's because that's the most prominent locations on your body, right? I mean, if you're marked on 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 your your chest or your stomach, you know, usually we're wearing clothes or during clim- uh, certain climates, you know, where it's cold, you can't see that. But your forehead is pretty visible, or or your right hand, which we use our hands to grab things, carry things. It's right there. So so it could be because that's the most prominent locations. So, verse 17 says that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. So, you can't buy anything, you can't sell anything. It's integrated totally into society and you've got to have this mark. And I I think that tells us a couple things. One is that in this time, and we're going to see a little more about this later in the chapters coming, Not only there's going to be like a one world government, which we saw with the Antichrist. Not only is there a one world religion, which we're seeing right now with the leadership of the false prophet. But there's going to be a one world economy. So everyone's going to be connected, buying or selling, anything like that. be connected in that way. Now, before we really get into this mark, I want to put this into your mind also. The mark, and here's the second thing, the mark will put pressure on believers in Jesus, right? If you, if, if you think about, well, you can't buy or sell, right? Unless you have this mark. It's putting pressure on the believers of, of Jesus. I mean, basically, it's like renounce Jesus and you'll eat and live. Yeah? Or if you don't, you're going to starve and die. So I, wa- I want you to see right now that this is another way for Satan to persecute believers and to really weed them out. I want you to think about that, to weed them out. See, with the mark, there's no way of pretending, right? I mean, I mean, when the music plays, yeah, you can fall down, pretend to bow and all that. But your heart's not there. And, and the authorities of the false prophet, they can't see what's inside your heart. But with the mark, they can tell. They can tell with the mark that if you take it or not. And so this will tempt believers even more and it, and and it it's really bad. It's evil because it ties it into how how you can even survive in the world. So can you imagine how hard that's going to be? I mean, without the mark, you can't go buy groceries. Yeah, you can't buy water. You can't you can't live without the mark. You can't pay your rent or pay your mortgage. You can't pay for medical care. Yeah, or have you know some sort of medical insurance. You can't cash your paycheck. Your paycheck, you can't buy a car, you can't travel or, or have tran- you know, transportation. So I think this is real evil in this that it puts pressure on believers who refuse to take the mark because Satan knows they won't. And so it makes that divide between the believers and the world even more and more. Bruce Barton wrote this in his commentary. To refuse the mark meant to commit oneself entirely to God, preferring death to compromising one's faith in Christ. So, I'm really leading up to why the mark. Yeah? What's the purpose? Why will the tribulation saints and even Jewish believers at that time refuse the mark? Well, look at verse 17 again. Because the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. So the mark, you can see, is tied to the Antichrist, the name of the beast. This is the mark of the beast. And it's tied to the number 
of the Antichrist name. That's what verse 17 is saying. Now, let me back up just a, a, a small step. Understand back then what a mark is. What the mark meant back then in the ancient times. A mark was this brand or, or tattoo placed on your body, on your skin. Mark, the Greek word actually means, uh, the Greek word is charagma, which means to engrave. So back then, marks on the body were engraved on your body, and they were engraved on your body as means to identify you. That's what a mark was back then. So when, when the mark is brought up here, think about how the, the ancient guys and what John's writing will understand what this mark means. For, for example, slaves had the mark of their master that they belonged to. All right? Ooh, it's, it's like putting, writing your name you know, on your toys or whatever like kids do. That was the idea with the mark on slave. Soldiers had a tattoo put upon them. A mark of, you know what, their commanding general. The one they were loyal to. There was cults back then, cult followers, you know what? They were like, some of the cults would cut themselves and all that. They would have scars. And their scars on their skin were marks as evidence of who they were worshipping. That idol. That, that ritual, that idol that, that they were following. So now, with that in mind, we are told here that the mark, that is, what? The name of the beast. First of all, the name of the beast. So the mark is tied to the name of the Antichrist. Do you understand that? No. We don't, we don't know what that is. Who, who is the Antichrist? Well, we don't know, right? <laughs> yeah, he's not here. But somehow this mark is going to be tied to his name. I don't know, maybe it says beast. No, I don't think he'll say beast. You know, president so-and-so or king so I don't know exactly what that is. But now you see why believers in Jesus in the tribulation, they're going to refuse the mark. No way. I don't belong to this guy. I'm not going to worship this guy. I'm not going to be loyal to this guy. So we do not know what that name is, but we what we do know is this. And here's really what I want to put into your hearts and minds. To receive the mark means to willingly, intentionally, and fully give your allegiance to the Antichrist. And I would add Satan. That's what the mark is about. Is giving allegiance to the Antichrist. Remember how um, we've been talking about how Satan mimics God and his things, right? Like this unholy trinity, Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, you know, mimicking, yeah, the Father, Son, Jesus Christ, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? Remember how, how even the Antichrist faking his resurrection, what? Mimicking what Jesus did, right? Dying on the cross, rising again. Well, it's like this here. Remember, we're, we're in this, this ritual, this new system. It's formalized. There's an image in everything now. So it's not just the world worshiping, but we're, it's like this here. To take the mark is really like giving your life to the Antichrist. I belong to him. I'm loyal to him. I worship him. It's like how we give our life to Jesus, right? We're loyal to Jesus. We belong to Jesus now. We surrender. Yeah? That's what this mark is all about. 
think about this. Remember in Revelation chapter 7, God sealed the 144,000 Jewish missionaries with a mark of God on their foreheads. And then look at verse uh, uh, 1 in the next chapter. Revelation 14. Just, just look over from where you are. Revelation 14.1. John says, Then I looked, and behold, and on the Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with them 144,000, that's those Jewish missionaries, who had his name and his father's name written where? On their foreheads. So in contrast, yeah, verse 1 of Revelation 14, in contrast with what we're seeing in verse 17 of chapter 13, that's what we're seeing. God's mark showed that these guys belong to him, but the beast, the Antichrist, his mark means that, oh, you guys belong to me. That's what the mark is all about. It's, it's about how the world will willingly, intentionally, fully give their allegiance to the Antichrist and basically Satan. You know, it comes to mind for me, I, I like what Paul said in Galatians 6.17. He said, I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. It's the brand marks, right, that he got from, from his persecution, from the beatings and the whippings that he received because he held on to Jesus. The marks of Paul bore what he was loyal to. So the mark of the beast shows that you're loyal to the Antichrist, to Satan. That's what the mark is all about. Now, what is then, it says here in verse 17, or the number of its name. Well, look at verse 18. It, it, it tries to explain it, or God explains it, but I, I don't think it's for us to understand. Verse 18, this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is 666. There it is. There's that number, right? So famous, yeah. So what does this mean? Pastor Rick, what does this mean? Well, let me tell you. I don't know. I don't know. Many have speculated. Many, though we, no one can say for sure. Many have tried to calculate. What does that mean? We calculate it. In trying to calculate it, some say this, that each letter in the Hebrew or Greek alphabet, they even bring in the Latin, some guys, is, it corresponds to a number. Yeah? Like in our alphabet, like A is 1, B is 2, C is 3, so on like that. So, so, they say, well, then the letters of the name of the Antichrist in the Hebrew or maybe the Greek, it all adds up, the corresponding numbers adds up to 666. So that's a thought. And some people through the ages have like, oh, see, so it's Stalin or Hitler. But we, we don't know that that's it. Some say, well, the number is really some sort of bank account, yeah, or, or ID number. That's programmed into the chip, right? We've all heard this. And that's put under your skin and your hand or your forehead. And that's why, well, you can't buy or sell. That's why without the mark, you can't do that. You know, I remember years ago when uh, the UPC barcode first came out. Oh, I remember. I was a Christian. Christians went crazy. That's it. It's the mark of the beast. That's it. And there's going to be six numbers and six numbers. You know, six numbers dash, six numbers dash, six numbers. That's it. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that, that is the mark. But remember, the purpose of the mark is to show your allegiance that you're giving your life to the Antichrist. Maybe. Maybe that's the number. 
But let me tell you what most say, and, and I kind of go along with this, is that, number one, we don't know. But we can focus in on the, on the number that it's based on man, right? It goes on and says, you know, this calls for wisdom that the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. Now, what is the number of man? Well, most commentators agree it's six. It's six. The number six is considered the number of man, and it's a number of imperfection. You see, God is associated with the number of seven, perfection, right? Seven is the number of perfection. Eight is the number of new beginnings. That's kind of the normal talk of Christians. So six is the number of man. I thought it was interesting. Someone said, yeah, man was made on the sixth day. <laughs> God made creation in seven days, and it was, it was complete. It was perfect in, in that way. And so the number six is short of number seven, so it means how man falls short of perfection. He falls short because of his sin. So we see with this Antichrist is that his number is actually six, 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 three sixes. Emphasizing that imperfection. Emphasizing that sin. You know how the angels in Isaiah 6 cried, holy, 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 right? Emphasizing God's holiness. Well, it could be here that this number of man, six, imperfection, sin, you know, basically, it's emphasized three times, like God is emphasized as holy, 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 holy. This is 666. So it could be that this means this Antichrist and what this mark is tied into is he's the ultimate human sinful man, the ultimate imperfect and evil man ever. So that's thought. You can try and uh, uh, study this and, and come up with your own conclusions. But what I think, when it says here in verse 18, this calls for wisdom, yeah? let the one who has understanding, who is that? It's going to be the people in the tribulation. So perhaps it's not for us to know exactly, but God will reveal it even more. And they'll say, whoa, this is, this is what Revelation 13 talks about. Whoa, and they all come together and get chicken skins and no way, I'm not taking that mark. Yeah, so I think something like that would happen. Now, before we come to an end, I know there's a lot of speculation out there and I know there's a lot of confusion and questions about the mark of the beast. beast. So with what we learn here, I, I just want to answer some questions here. Like, I, I've heard like, will the mark incorporate a computer chip that will be implanted into the right hand or forehead? And you remember what I said. The answer is maybe, it could be, because you can't buy or sell without it. Um, you know, like using our credit cards today. Um, you know, we're heading into a cashless society. You know, you could buy, uh, you, you don't need your credit card really. Yeah, now there's terminals or you just put your phone. Or now with my Apple Watch, I just go beep. You know, it's like, oh, this is so great. You know, it's all right there and everything. So, so it could be. But remember, for me, whatever that mark is, if it is for buying and selling, if it is a computer chip, remember, it is a mark like a tattoo that identifies you to be a loyal follower of the Antichrist, right? To give your life to him. And so, who knows, maybe there's store cameras scanning you when you walk in. Do you have the tattoo? Do you have that mark? Yeah. Maybe there's mark checkers, you know, you know, at the door. Yeah, we're getting used to, oh, you get your mask on, you know, going in and everything, right? Related to this is another question. Is using electronic purchases like EFD transfers or like I just talked about, promoting the mark of the Antichrist? 
Pastor Rick, I can't believe you use your watch to buy things. Is it promoting the Antichrist? The answer to me is no. It's just technology. That's all it is. And technology can be used for good, and it could be used for bad. And that's what Satan will use this technology for evil, right? It depends on, on the user. I mean, like money. Is money evil? Is it bad? No, right? It, 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 it can bless someone. You can bless someone with money. It can provide for you. Right? You can buy things, or it could be used for buying drugs. Yeah, If you're an alcoholic, buying alcohol, you know, right? Now, if here's another question. If it comes, uh, if there comes a time when you're offered to be injected with a chip under your skin to make it easier to buy, is it biblically wrong to do that? The answer for me is no. It's not biblically wrong, yeah? But I don't know if I would do that, <laughs> honestly, because it's too similar to what's coming. So it'd be too creepy for me, <laughs> yeah. But it's technology in that way. Another one going around, and I've talked about this weeks ago, is the vaccine the mark of the beast. So after what you learn, is it? No, no right? Because you first have to have the beast to have the mark of the beast, right? And just getting a vaccine isn't saying that I'm giving my allegiance and I'm giving my life to the Antichrist. So no, it's not. And plus, a lot of things got to happen before that comes to pass, right? A lot of things, right? Uh, the Antichrist standing in the temple, a rebuilt temple, a temple has to be rebuilt, right? There's got to be uh, the judgment of the seven trumpets and the, se- and the seven seals coming, right? There's, there, there's, there's got to be all that going on, the Antichrist rising up. And, well, the biggest thing is the rapture. And so we won't be here anyway, so no worries. <laughs> so, will the here's another question. Will the Antichrist force the mark on people in the world as a show of authoritative government control? And I think that's a good, good question. I, I believe the answer is no and some yes. Okay? No, because as I've been teaching you, the world will embrace the Antichrist willingly, intentionally, purposely, and want to take the mark. Yeah? They're okay with that. They're okay. Yeah, government government's making this, but I want it. Yeah, I want to honor the, the Antichrist, right? I think about it as like you and I as Christians will we'll get like jewelry, like a Christian cross, yeah? Or, or, or we'll have a, a shirt that says Jesus on it, right? Because we're... We're, we're proud. We're, we're Christians. We wanna, we're we're going to show everyone who we are about. Right? Well, back when that, in the future, that's what it's going to be about. Oh, look at me. I got the mark. I'm with them. Yeah? How about you? You with them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's bump our marks together. You know? I mean, that's the feeling. That's what's going, going on because the world, these guys can be full on for Satan. So no... But some, yes, in the sense that the false prophet will want to control what is believed in the world, and namely to stamp out Christianity once and for good. The devil knows the true believers, they're not going to take the mark. And this is another, well, this is really a legal way for him to kill them, to murder them. Right there, remember Daniel 6 when the king's advisors got a law passed that everyone has to pray to the king and at noon at that time when Daniel normally prayed, everyone has to pray to the king and they knew they would catch Daniel, right? They made a law so that he would get thrown into the, the lion's den. That's what this is all about. 
to get rid of Christians. Uh, one more question is, what if I mistakenly take the mark? Will I then be banished from entering into heaven? Well, the answer is this. First of all, if you're a true believer today, you will not be here to mistakenly take the mark. Okay, We'll be in heaven in the rapture. But if you are here, maybe you picked this video up or this um, archive podcast up. Yeah, and you're, you're listening to this. You know what? And you are here. It might be hard, but I believe God will give you the faith to not take it. So I don't think it's going to be accidentally, you know, mistakenly. It's, it's going to be pretty, pretty clear what it means, right? And, and, and so I don't think there'll be a mistake. But even with that, you guys, remember, we're saved by grace through faith, right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? It's through our belief in Jesus Christ. It's not a ritual we do, not of works, right? It's a gift of God, right? That's how we have salvation. And so it's not like when you get to heaven, yeah, God's not going to be at the door, have Peter at the door, checking your hand, checking your forehead. Wait, let me see, let me see. No, it's, <laughs> it's not that. It's not that at all, right? If you have Jesus, that's the important thing, if your life belongs to him. So I just want to say one more point. The mark is a physical and permanent spiritual sign that one is given their life and loyalty to Satan and rejected God. I just want to put that in there even more in you. That's what it really comes down to. Revelation 14.9, Revelation 16.2, and even if we go to Revelation 20, it talks about those with the mark are judged, but in Revelation uh, 20 talks about those in heaven are the ones who don't have the mark. So you see, it really is a spiritual decision and choice that is being made and tied to the mark. So I want you to understand that. So in the future, it comes down to really who you give your life to, right? And that's the same question today. Who are you really committed to? Who are you really loyal to? Who, who do you really worship? Who does your life really belong to? Is it Jesus? Is it God? That's what it comes down to. I want to belong to I want to be loyal to Jesus. I want to give my worship to Him. And you know why? As we're talking about marks, because Jesus bears in His body the marks of His love for me. Let me close with this. When the tsunami hit the big island years ago, before there were any like warning sirens and all, Bully and his family was caught by a six-foot wave, and he lost his six-month baby boy to powerful currents. Bully said this in, in, in describing this telling of the story. He said, realizing that another wave may soon be falling, I began running on top of the wooden structures, tearing up pieces of twisted corrugated roofs that were ripped like discarded remains of a demolition project. I tore up one piece after another, running over boards and broken beams until I heard the whimpering of a child under one of the mattresses that had gotten lodged beneath an overturned car. He went on. I reached under and pulled up my little son. I tucked him under my arm like a football player running for the end zone. Then I sprinted back over the debris when I reached, uh, uh, until I reached my wife. We all ran for higher ground, hugging our child and one another, thanking God for his mercy. And then right then, Bully's wife 
noticed that his feet and his hands were all covered in blood. It was at that moment Bully realized that with his, even with his tennis shoes on, he had stepped on uh, sharp objects like nails and, and screws sticking out of the rubble. And when he pulled back the torn corrugated roofing to get his baby, the sharp edges tore into his hands. So to this day, he has the scars on his hands and on his feet. Bully said, I was so intent on finding my boy that nothing else mattered. Bully has marks of love for his baby boy. Every scar, every mark tells a story. Spurgeon once said that there will be only one man-made thing in heaven, and that's the scars on, our glorified, on the glorified body of Jesus Christ. You know, you think, oh, he got... He was resurrected. He has the glorified body, right? And that, oh, that would all be gone. But forever, think about that. Jesus is marked to remind us how far he went for us and how much he loves us. That's how much God loves you. And Satan, he wants to mark the world in dedication to him and keep the world from Jesus. But if you give your life to Jesus today, you would be spared from what's coming, the evil ministry of the false prophet. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray right now that you would save us from ourselves, Lord. God, we need your, your, your loving rescue. God, I pray for anyone here who is struggling and God who is backslidden and walked away from you, that you would draw them back, that you would reach out, Lord, and hug them. God, I pray that we would all be even more committed that we would be even more given over to you, knowing what Satan is doing to the world. And we see it today as the world is drifting, God. We know the end. We know his end goal. Lord, let us not be caught up in those currents, Lord. But let us be like that fish going against the flow. Let us reach for you, God. Fight the good fight of faith, Lord. To run our race, Lord. To keep the faith. To get to the finish line. God, thank you that we know what's coming in the future and it helps to explain what's happening today. And we know what we need to do today to stay committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.